the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Please be seated. It's good to see every one of you here tonight. Um, during the offering, I was just thinking and probably want to share with all of us how important this is. Um, the heaven has its agenda for the earth. And uh, Jesus was sent from heaven, and that's God came down for, from heaven to accomplish his agenda here on the earth. He's back now. The agenda is still on. The agenda needs funds. And God's going to put that funds through his people. And the way God has designed it, we need to have understanding. When you buy into, you know how you buy stocks? You buy into something that is going to bring back. This is God's agenda. If you buy into it, you'll never lose. The stock market will fail. You think it will produce. But this is so important. We really need to understand. So you never ever think when you put something down for the kingdom, it's gone. No, it's coming back. It's coming right back to you. And just like Pastor Roy said, uh, God sees I can put it through this person. Oh, he's got a, pers- a, pers- a partner. He put it through you. And he'll never stop. That doesn't mean Satan won't attack. But every attack from the enemy, God turns it around and you get higher. He places you in a better place. Um, and that's not my message tonight. But I just really need to let you know, if it's going up and down like that, God's not there very much. When God starts with you, that doesn't mean you won't have this. But it's going to be just, <laughs> just like that. Not all down and then back up. No. It's just going to be that way, going with God. But you have to stay faithful. Because the thing that God prizes the most, faithfulness. That's the number one. It's not how much you did, how much you accomplished. It's how faithful you were to whatever he's called you to do. That's why you remember in the, in the day uh, when God would judge his people, the word you hear is, good and faithful servant. It's how faithful, how consistent you were in your service of him. That's what is uh, important. Tonight, I, we, we're still continuing with this message. Shorten the door against sin. And people like preachers that preach against sin. Preaching against sin doesn't get sin away. Because what you have, people hear it. That's not to say don't speak against what is happening. But that's not the solution. The solution is what Jesus brought to us. It's called the good news. And for you to understand the nature of sin. And why God wants you to stay away from it. It's not something that God, if you don't do it, then God's happy. No, 
is really for you. When you understand the nature of it and the goodness of God, and the, of God not wanting you to go to something that will destroy you, then you understand the nature of sin and the goodness of God. And you want to stay away from that, not for any reason, but for your love for God, your connection with God, so that God can continue to bless you. And sin doesn't have access to your life to destroy both you, your family, your finances, and everything around you. Now, you can see just one sin, one sin of, it's just a commandment. Don't do this. It, to us, when I was a kid, it's like, what's so bad about just eating an apple? I didn't know where I got that fact that it was an apple, but everybody thinks it's an apple. But the eating, the eating of the, the fruit itself wasn't the real thing. The real problem, God said not to do it. And it was for their own good. And it's an amazing thing that if you look into the garden, and God allowed them to eat of everything. Everything that was there. They even had the tree of life. That you means you live forever. God didn't tell them not to eat from the tree of life. To me, that's a better tree than the other tree. <laughs> that's the tree of life. The other one, the knowledge of good and evil. Who wants to know evil? I want life. But Satan will turn that around and make you think there's something better in sin. And destroys you eventually. For one thing, look at what's happening in the world. Everything is being turned around just by one mistake, so to speak. Everything changed. And if you don't think about how one evil can change things, I, I recall when I first came to the United States, I mean, many times I'm going back home, my friends go with me to the airport and we stay by the terminal right before I get in the plane. You remember that? You sit by the terminal, I mean, the gate. I mean, I mean the gate. You sit by the gate with your friend before, and then when it's time, you separate, you hug each other, and then you walk into the... You can't do that anymore. One evil changed everything around the world. Just one evil. That's how dangerous sin is. It's not just benign. It will destroy not just you, but everything. Everything has changed since then. Everything has changed. Never used to seeing people at the airport with machine guns. I saw that in France right after that. Wow, these guys. And they were, they were out looking at, if you move, they're looking. Things have changed just because of one incident of evil. And it's not just a few men, just a few men changed the whole world. Everywhere in the world, every airport in the world, it's changed. My point is, sin is not a good thing. It's never a good thing. And it's not for God. It's really for us. It makes life uncomfortable for us. That's, that's why I use the story of this the, the Twin Towers. It changed everything. It made life very uncomfortable for us. The price of tickets go up because these guys have to do their job. Everything has changed. That's how sin is. But the devil doesn't want us to know that. He wants us to think about the fun you're going to get just for that moment. And that's all he wants you to see. He's so close. You can't see anything else until it's over. 
but by the grace of God, we can turn away from it. You know, for us who are believers, God has given us an insight into the nature of sin. And we have power to say, no, I don't want to go there. And that power includes the feeling when you've done something wrong, it it, it drives you nuts. I don't know about you, it it doesn't feel good. For the world, they go boast about it. Well, God, guess what I did? I I lied to that man and I I got $5,000 from him. They're happy about it. For you as a Christian, you can't sleep well. Amen. (laughs) You can't sleep well. Every time you try to spend the money, something tells you, you are a thief. (laughs) You got that money and you're feeling bad. I know, you know, when I was a new Christian, when I felt like things had gone wrong between me and the Lord, uh, we talked a lot about rapture. You know what that is? And, and I've been angry with somebody, and I look for the good Christian man that I know in church, and he's not around. I'm thinking, the rapture is taking place, and I've been left behind. <laughs> You're laughing, but some of these things weren't funny. I remember there was a guy in our church that prophesied, you know, when I was, it been my first year of being saved. I mean, my message was very clear, repent or perish. That's simple. And I thought, you know, we believe, and it could happen. I think we should have that mindset. Jesus can come any time. There is no room for sin. And, and I used to think, what if he come, comes and I'm caught doing something that's wrong? Right in the midst of it. Uh, those thoughts were always there in my mind. And man, I'm not going there. I'm thinking those few seconds can be the time when the trumpet blows. When I remember going, this guy prophesied. I prophesied a lot in church. And his prophecy was always Jesus is coming. And he's going to take us up. And uh, he was well respected. But he, he, he stayed with me at that point. He was living with me because he'd been kicked out from... In those days, you get to be a Christian, they kick you out. I mean, nobody does this. You've done a good job. They kicked him out, so he was living with me. And uh, we go to church, and if you're in Africa, sometimes we call short corner. It's actually going through the jungle, you know, to get home. And and, and just two of us. And we'll be talking back and forth. He, I'm ahead of him. I was taller. And he's behind <laughs> The big guy goes first in the, those trails. If trouble comes, uh, you know what that is. I get beat first before you beat the little guy behind me. It's a joke. <laughs> but we were in this trail, and we were making good conversation. And that guy, too, he was stubborn. That's the way it was. And uh, we were making good conversation. I think he had done something in the morning, and I wasn't happy with him, if I recall correctly. And uh, we were talking after church. Usually after church, I was always very happy, you know, for some reason. And it's just this joy of the Lord, you know. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And we were talking. I was in front of him. And uh, he just, he was behind me. Now, everything was dark. If you've been in Africa where I live, everywhere don't have uh, street lights, you know. He was behind me. And for a reason, he decided to take another short course. 
And I, I was talking to myself. He was gone. I turned behind, and this guy wasn't there. I thought to myself, this is the rapture. No, I missed, I missed it. This is really bad. Now, today, I'll use my cell phone and call the, my pastor to see if he's still around. No cell phone. The funny thing is short part, path wasn't really short because I got home before, I, before he, he ever showed up. I got home and he wasn't there and he was all over. It was all over. You're laughing now, but I was sweating. <laughs> all I was doing is I've got to find somebody that was a good Christian and uh, if I can find him, I'm still okay. <laughs> and if I find this guy, I'll bury him. I'll kill him for sure for, for doing this to me. So I looked for the guy. I was running around looking for the guy who brought me to the Lord. And Samuel. Samuel was still around. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And then when I found him, I almost lost my religion, okay? I was very unhappy with him. Don't you ever do that again. Don't you ever. But it can happen that way. What would you do? What would you do? You are powerless at this point. There's nothing you can do. And you don't know what's coming, what's coming to you at this point. Sin is really evil. It doesn't tell you what's going to happen after you... You enjoy. But God is giving us grace as Christians to know this is not the way to go. This is never the way to go. And if you're going that way, turn around. That's the word repentance. Turn around for the believer. Confess it and come back. Because everything that's good for us, for our soul, our mind, everything is on the other side. This side that we were walking at, uh, towards initially before the enemy comes in. But God did something with Moses. When God has a plan for your life, he's going to guide your life. Moses knew uh, right after he was born, he was born a deliverer. I don't know how he knew it. He knew it. He knew it. He was born into a privilege. You know, in the old world, in that world, Egypt was the United States of America. And he was right at the foot of power. He knew it. But he also knew that he didn't belong to those groups. He belonged to the other group that was suffering. He knew that. He had to make, it, he had to make a choice. He knew what was right. Let me read this scripture because they put the background this way. Pharaoh in, in the Old Testament, that's a type of Satan. That's the truth. It was a type of Satan. The children of Israel, that's us, under the kingdom of Satan. Moses is a type of Christ. You remember the Passover, right? He was a type of Christ. To bring the people of God, of God out of, under the power of Satan, 
and then they are going to the promised land. That's the same thing. It's a time. We're going back to heaven. But Moses knew. And he had to make a choice. If he stayed with Pharaoh and become a son of Pharaoh's daughter, then he is of the devil. And there is some fun in whatever they are doing. Sin. He could enjoy the power and all of that. But it wasn't God's power. It's of the devil. But he made a choice. Read the scriptures. He decided, I'm not going to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Because sin will only, your pleasure from sin is only for a season. Maybe that moment. But the pain afterwards, you can't, there's no way of knowing it. There is that pain of resisting against sin because your body wants to go and accomplish that thing because of the pleasure. And so it's a little painful, but that's just for a season. There's a blessing on the other side. And Satan doesn't present the pain. He presents what you can enjoy from this little, eating that little stuff. And that's all we see until the pain comes. It's, it's, and, I mean, this thing is pervasive. It's all about, this, all about things that we do. Even drinking and all of that. It seems you're going to taste it. It tastes good. But then afterwards, your life is destroyed if you don't. If God didn't help you, your liver gone. And it, sin is never good. Sin is never good. The Bible tells us in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, it says, by faith. So if you are going to escape the power of sin, it's not by you struggling. It's not by anything that you do. It's got to be by faith. By faith, when he became of age, refused, that's Moses, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. In other words, I am not going to be a child of the devil. That's what he's saying. He refused to be that way. Choosing rather to suffer affliction, whatever the children of God were, they were going through, with the people of God than to enjoy the passing or the pleasures of sin for a season, some translation tells us. He refused that. I don't want that. It was a choice thing. I don't want that for me because if I go that way, I remain the son of the devil. That's what is Pharaoh's daughter. The son of Pharaoh's daughter. A prince in the kingdom of darkness. That's not a good thing. You enjoy certain things, but it's not good. The end result is pain and death. But he refused that. He wouldn't, uh, uh, he wouldn't accept that. He refused to accept the passing pleasure of sin. That's the pleasures of sin for a season. That says there is some pleasure from sin. And God is the one telling us, yes, you enjoy it, but you pay the price. So I don't want it because I don't want that price. And for people who don't turn to God, the price is eternal. You know, I, I think, I don't remember where I read this, but uh, this was somebody, probably true story. They were, they were burning them up, believers, uh, persecution. This guy was in his cell. 
the next day he was going to be burned. You know, and uh, so he lit a match or a lamp. He decided to try how try out first how painful this is going to be uh, before he, he had to face the real thing the next day. He put his hand in that thing. He was burning his friend, and he started crying. God, there's no way. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't even endure for my finger to be in the flames for a short time. How am I going to do this? And this is that you deny Christ for your going. But he had faith. Amen? The next day was time. That power of the Holy Spirit could care less. He matched out for it. He was born. But the point is not that. Think about it. If you can't stand the pain of a tiny flame for a short time, how are you going to be in hell for eternity? The pain is more intense because it's a spiritual fire. And it's more real than the natural one. For me, I don't want to go there. That's what the enemy doesn't show people when, when, when they are in this thing. So, but for us, the message is not about sin. The message is you have the power by God's grace, by faith, to stay away from that. And every time you go back to that way, remember, you can always come back to your father. There is an enticement to sin. And, and, but God doesn't abandon you as a child of God when you do wrong. We have to know that. Because the enemy tells you, after he's made you to do something wrong, now he tells you, God's no longer with you. Don't go to church anymore. You are a hypocrite and all of these things. And instead of running back to God, you're running away. That's what we need to understand. So we know the nature of God, the nature of sin, and the nature of the enemy we're dealing with. He's slick. But not that slick because we have faith. And we can beat him at his game because we know who the father is. It's so important. And I want to talk about the, the sin, the way God dealt with Cain. Okay? The way God dealt with Cain. To me, it gave me a lot of comfort about who this God is and how God operates. His mercy. His tender mercy. Even when you've done wrong. That's, that's the amazing thing about the God that we serve. He's so merciful. Even when he doesn't agree with what you're doing. That's an amazing thing. I think, of, I think about Adam. How disappointed God must have been. Turning them away from the tree of life and putting that angel and the sword around it. And yet, while they were living, God made them better clothes. And clothed them. They had become enemies, and yet he was still treating them well. And still was teaching them. That's an amazing thing to me. That's how good this God that we serve. He don't turn away from you ever. We're the ones turning away from him. His goodness is always there for us. And because we know his goodness, we don't want to go the other way. Because when he's still good to you, after you've done wrong, you know his heart's broken. And he's still caring for you even though you've done something that he didn't like. That's the, I don't want to break his heart. Amen? That's the Christian. 
I don't want to break God's heart. And today is the frightening thing and the worry. Can you be a Christian? You're breaking God's heart and you insist on continuing and justifies it, justify it. I don't understand that kind of thinking. You're going to destroy yourself. But the Bible is clear. My spirit will not always strive with man. There's got to come a time when you refuse, God says, okay, just like in Romans 1, I'll turn you over to what you really want. Okay, you can do whatever you want. At that stage, it's going to be really bad. Because now the enemy has you. And it's going to be really bad. But see the way God dealt with Cain and the love. I believe that God, for some reason, may have taught Adam, uh, Adam and Eve, what to do. And they expected something to happen. We're still expecting. You know, uh, Eve, after she gave birth to Cain, Cain was given a good name. I got a man, child from the Lord. Because she heard when God was telling the enemy, the seed of the woman bruised your head. She was happy about that. And she got Abel, and uh, Abel, the word Abel, that's the word, the meaning of the word, is vanity. She didn't care too much about Abel. Not what she thinks. It's what God thinks. Amen? Because she's thinking he's the first one. And when this, that happened between them, she was devastated. until she got set, and she says, God, God gave me another one to, repair, to replace Abel. Amen? She got her eyes open. That's how God, good God is. But you read these scriptures after uh, Cain had done refuse. That's the sin, nature of sin. I, it's not whether Cain, I used to think, well, uh, Abel brought sacrifice and God accepted it because he was animal, right? And, he, and then the other one did what. But they were taught exactly what to do. I don't know what Adam knew, but God said, let me read this scripture and then we'll talk about it. So the Lord said to Cain, Genesis 4, verse 6 and 7, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? God saw he was angry because his sacrifice was rejected and he was rejected. God said to him, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? Why are you downcast? Then God said to him, If you do well, in other words, you still have a chance. If you do well, will you not be accepted? Yes, you fail, but you can try again. That's what he's saying. You can try again. You did it wrong. That's why you were not accepted. You don't have to be angry about it. Do it again and do it right. Hello? That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. He's trying to help this young man. Was God angry? No, he just, because he did what was wrong. Now, I believe that they were both taught what to do, and he decided he was going to do it his own way. Different from what God said. And that's the nature of sin. I don't want God's way. I have my mind, I'll do it my way. Well, your way is not God's way, and that's not good for you either. And so he, God says, no, that's not the way to do it. I counsel you, do it the right way, and you will be accepted. 
It's like you didn't do it the other way in the first place. Do what is right. God says you don't have to be angry about it. Who should be angry? God, right? But Cain was the one that was angry. And God was telling him, warning him, look, things are about to get worse. Your anger is taking you to the the enemy's territory. You need to turn around before this thing destroys you totally. But he didn't listen. But God advised him, here, your countenance is falling. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, he says, sin crouches at the door. It's lying at the door. In other words, uh, you are going to be sin's victim pretty soon. If you don't turn away from this. You can change, go back, do it the way God has recommended and you will be okay. You will be accepted just like your brother. But if you insist on your anger, sin is crouching at the door, waiting. It says to him, and it's, its desire is for you. That's sin personified, right? Sin is not the person. But God personifies sin, and that's the way sin is. He's sitting, waiting, crouching, wanting to jump on you, waiting for the door to be opened so he can come in and destroy you. And God was saying to this young man, please, you need to turn around before this thing destroys you. He's trying to destroy you. You need to watch out. That's the nature of sin. It's going to destroy. So take care of it. It says, and his desire is for you. you know, have you heard where this happened again in the New Testament? Jesus told Peter, remember that? Satan asked to sift you like wheat. Right? That's the same thing. One in Peter. He says, but I prayed for you. That your faith, that's the key word, your faith may not fail. And after you are converted, help your brothers. Help your brothers. So Satan is after your faith in God, but he goes to your, goes to your faith. The most powerful thing in your life, he goes to destroy your faith through sin. And once sin comes in, your faith is no longer as powerful and you're vulnerable. But God says, but you should rule over it. In other words, you should master that sin that's crushing, trying to get on you. In other words, get away from that anger. Go back and do what is right. And you will be accepted. Now, how do you rule over that sin? There are three ways that we must consider. In the New Testament, the best way to go at it is to acknowledge you've done something wrong. God, I didn't do it the right way. Now I'm going to do it the right way. Right? Simple as that. Don't make it too complicated. God, I'm sorry. I didn't do it right. Turn around and do what is right. Sometimes you're angry with somebody and some Christians, they get so upset at somebody, they don't want to talk to them. And you, the person is coming, you, you see them. You, you do that. Guess who is watching? He's up there. And he speaks to you. Don't tell me he doesn't. He sees it. He'll tell you you shouldn't do that. If I were you, and what pleases him, turn around, go right back and say, you know, 
I, I was trying to just avoid you, but I really need to tell you, you offended me. And at that time, what you are speaking, guess who will be there? The Father is right there. The Spirit of God is right there. The Son is right there. Because He came for reconciliation. And grace is poured out. Grace is the power to live. So that you don't suffer shame. Grace is right there. If, if Cain had turned around and said, Repent, God, you know, I, I did something wrong. Guess what? Grace will be made available immediately. That's why when we confess our sins, guess what's available to us? Grace. Grace shows up. Once you acknowledge that this is wrong, I shouldn't have done that. Grace is poured out to you. And with grace, there is faith to do what is right. For by grace are you saved, what? Through faith. All of it is right there for you. Which this young man didn't do, even though God warned him about it. He didn't listen. And, you know, second thing, isolation. Don't, if you're going to master that sin, don't isolate yourself. Guess uh, predators, uh, lions and all of that, guess what they do when they see a bunch of uh, uh, deer or something, animals, prey. They look carefully. And guess what they're looking for? The weak ones. And what do they do? They try to isolate the weak ones. And once they can isolate the weak ones from the rest of them, you're dead. And guess what Satan does? That's what, what was happening to Cain. He was by himself. He wasn't talking to his brother. He wasn't talking to his parents. He was thinking and Satan was ministering to him. Isolation. That's what the enemy does through sin. He isolates you. You don't want to go to church anymore. You don't feel like going. Yeah. Guess what he's doing? He's isolating you. He says, if you don't do right, sin is crashing at the door. Wanting to come, he's going to destroy you. So, we know the nature of sin. How it works. How it operates. So when he's isolating me, and I'm feeling like I feel uncomfortable in the house of God, I don't feel like going to church, well, walk against your feeling. It's good for you. Go against how you feel. We walk by faith and not by sight. When you've done wrong, acknowledge it, yeah, and then begin to go where, where God's people are. Present yourself before God. That's when you will be healed. But if you, can, you allow Satan to isolate you, you don't go to uh, small group meetings anymore, and they're calling and saying, what's going on, brother? I'm okay. I'm just busy. You lied again. Okay. <laughs> it's getting worse. You used to enjoy your small group meetings, but you don't want to go anymore. Sin is at the door, and his desire is for you. You are isolating yourself. The Bible says, iron sharpens iron. So, your brother's countenance will sharpen you. Just being in their presence will do something to you. That's the third thing. Connect with them. 
go back to your brothers. And, and when the Bible says, confess your sins to one another, as they are talking about what they've struggled with before and how God has delivered them, they may not be confessing, but you know, just like testimony time, they're telling you about their life story. Guess what? And God's Spirit said, you can be that way too. Amen? You, you can do that too. You can be free just like them. And they're telling you, God delivered me. Then they got tears in their eyes. I, I suffered so much. And you're thinking, that's just me. Oh, God. I want that. And the Bible says, the desire of a righteous man shall be granted. God does it for you. God does it for you. But if you allow Satan to isolate you, or usually it's because you are not willing to really acknowledge before God, just like Cain, this is not the right thing to do. It would have been simple for Cain if he had done what was right. And God will always... For the New Testament, He gives us more and more opportunities to make things right. And it's not really for God. It's for Cain. For Cain's life. It's an amazing thing. Mm. We don't think about these things about Eve and Adam. You can imagine how they felt before Seth was born. They got two sons. One is gone. And the other one is a murderer. And they knew that wasn't, that wasn't right. And God would not be with him. It is amazing. Even though God drove them out, he still was dealing with them like children. That's the nature of the God we serve. He's such a good God. And no, he never will abandon you. Even when things are bad, he's right there with you. Walking even with their children, he didn't speak to the parents. He went directly to Cain. See how good God is? That's another generation that says that God will always follow your generation. Your children are his. He goes after them. Not for you, for himself, and for them. It makes me so glad that this this God is so good. Such a good God. I know I'll make heaven. Not because I'm good, but because he is so good. Amen? I know I will. I know I will. If he's that good, I have nothing to be afraid of. And when he tells me I'm wrong, I want to be acknowledged that and say, Yes, God, could you please help me do what's right? I like that too. God, please help me. Because I don't have the strength to do what is right. But I want to do what is right. And that Jesus has made it clear to us. Without me, you can do nothing. So I will speak that back to him. That's what you said. Now, I want to do something. Can you help me? I need your help. And I'm not condemned because I came to him. So that's the nature of, of sin. And God deals with, with sin. There's something for us as believers. God's done something for us as well. It tells us if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and to what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To me, it's like starting afresh every time. And you don't feel the hold of and the power of that sin on your life because you already confessed it. I don't know how it works, but somehow that thing does not power over you again. At least for that moment, or for a few days more, you're free from it. 
And then through the suffering, you begin to learn, learn how to stop him from pouncing on you to destroy you. We can do that. So we don't isolate ourselves. I'm going to close with this because of time. Um, Saul, uh, Paul, considers sin the body of death. As the way he puts it in, in Romans chapter 7. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Who will? Who wretched man that I am, 724, who will deliver me from this body of death? Now sin is um, a destroyer of destinies. Sin is a thief of hope. Dreams. The path to the fulfillment of your dreams destroyed because of sin is really the body of death. But with God, in the New Testament, God has given us power over sin. And the, re the reason for that is because of the covenant. The covenant that God has made with us through His Son. And God said that from the Old Testament. I saw this scripture, Jeremiah 31, 33, 34, uh, 34. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, with them, after those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds. I will put my law. This is a covenant, the new covenant that we have. The old law was written on stone. So you got a stony heart. But now God says things are going to change. And it has changed in our time. No more... Uh, uh, we to have stony hearts. Our heart is of flesh, but that means a heart of obedience. I will put my law in their mind and write it on their heart, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. But the point is there's a new covenant. The covenant of blood with Jesus Christ and the law is written on our heart and we can do what is right. And for that reason the Bible tells us sin shall have no longer have dominion over you. You cannot be ruled by the power of sin. Ezekiel 36, a new heart also, verse 26, a new heart also I'll give to you, and a new spirit. God says, I'll take the stony heart out of your flesh, I'll give you a heart of flesh, I will put my spirit in you, and I will cause you, in other words, I will make you to keep my judgments, and you do them, you will love to do them, you will enjoy them one day. That's who we are today. Sin is not a part of the Christian life. We don't talk sin, 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 because what comes out of your mouth the most gets, gets a hold of your life. We talk about righteousness, the word of righteousness, the word of faith, that God has delivered us from the power of sin, and we don't have to be afraid of sin. 
We know the nature of sin, and we want to stand against it because God's on us. Stand up with me tonight. It's been long. Sin will stop the flow of the blessing. We have to address it. But you have to, it's not something we are to be afraid of. It's something that says, I don't want it. And if you've taken a few steps, turn around. Do what is right. Because everything unravels when we allow these things into our life. And sometimes it's not the big things. Many times people are thinking of adultery and all of that. It's the little attitudes. That's the real problem. Because you don't even repent of it. You just think it's okay. That's where the real issue is. Is the malice. Nobody sees that. The fact you're bitter against somebody, you're not forgiving. Nobody sees that. Pastor will even call you to come and preach. But for us, he's committed adultery. We don't want to hear, but there's something that's eating you up. That was what was inside Cain. That's the thing that is more critical than the big things that we see. Check your own heart. Forgive one another. That's what the Bible says. That's what's killing Christians. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Criticism. Fault finding. All of these type of things. Because when you find fault, you're unhappy. You don't want to interact with the person. This thing is, is, is coming back at you. You got to do what is right. The little foxes that spoil the vine. That's what we need to deal with. The anger, which uh, uh, he dealt with on Sunday, in Sunday night. The anger, the frustrations, the anxiety. These things are sin. Jesus commanded us, don't be anxious. It's not a good thing to be anxious. That's when to say, fear is the sin. Get away from all of that stuff and do what is right. These things are very critical. I'm not talking about the big ones. I'm talking about these little ones that we need to avoid. The attitude, the anger, the bitterness, the unforgiveness. Cain's parents didn't see that he was bitter. And Abel did nothing to him. Nothing. Abel was just being himself, got killed for nothing. Trying to be right. That's the way this life is. But when that thing is in you, it's going to eat you up and make you a vagabond. But that's not what we want. So let's search our hearts tonight. And let God, because these things are hindering the gifts of God in your life. And we got to let it out. Sunday morning crowd, that may be different. But these are the the people of God. What's hindering us from being powerful before God are these little, little things. The unforgiveness. We have to get rid of all of those things. May God help us. Let's pray tonight. If there's somebody in your heart, they've wronged you. Forgive them. Let them go. They are God's children as well. Let them go. If they've done something bad, let them go. Don't keep that and have an attitude towards them. Every time you turn, God sees it. And I'm sure his heart is hurt by it. If they do that to you, that's okay. But you don't do it to them. Don't do that. It's very painful to the Father. We are family, okay? No matter what they've done to you, let go. Let go. Husbands and wife, forgive. Forgive. So I'm talking, maybe that's what's causing your family to be having financial problems. Because you're fighting. 
You are in disagreement. These things are important. These little things. We need to take care of them. Father God, be with us tonight. Speak to us all through the night. So we can do right. We want to do right. And we know that your spirit is with us. You've not left us alone. You said you will never leave us as often. You will always be with us. Father, teach us the paths of life. That we may do what is right before your eyes. We want to do right. We want to be the light of the world. We want to be the salt of the earth. We want to be that city set on a hill that cannot be hid. And these things will stop us from being that. We don't want them. We don't want them. We want to do right. We want to forgive. We want to love. We want to embrace people and show them the love of Jesus. Father, we thank you because all of that power is available to us through the cross, through your blood, through the power of your Holy Spirit. Sin will no longer have dominion over our lives. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.